Hey guys, my name is Ben Berman and welcome to the Starting It Up podcast where I interview all types of entrepreneurs uncovering actionable steps and inspiration that you can use to build your business, your side hustle, whatever it is that you're trying to create and live the life you've always wanted. On this episode, we talk with Emily Levy, the co-founder and CEO of Mighty Well. Mighty Well creates functional and stylish apparel and accessories that helps patients and caregivers turn sickness into strength. This started out of a need that Emily actually had herself after she was diagnosed with Lyme disease. Mighty Well currently has six product lines out, has raised around half a million dollars from investors like Breakaway Ventures, Tim Draper, and equity crowdfunding platform Republic. Some of the major topics we talk about are community and brand building, the challenges of fundraising as a woman-led team, the unique factor of developing a product that is super personal to the end user, and more. Hope you enjoy. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Today we have Emily Levy, who is the co-founder and CEO of Mighty Well. Uh, But Emily, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about like exactly what Mighty Well does why you started it. I know it's a very like personal story and bring us up to speed on to where uh, Mighty Well is right now. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, so my name is Emily Levy and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Mighty Well. Uh, the story really started out of my personal experience as a patient. I went undiagnosed for about seven years with chronic neurological Lyme disease and tick-borne illness. And by the time I was a sophomore at Babson College, uh, I really just lost, you know, all sense of who I was. There's a lot of joint pain, um, brain fog, confusion, you know, went from getting straight A's to barely being able to pass class, you know, a lot of really scary neurological symptoms. Um, so by the time, you know, I finally found a doctor who accurately diagnosed me through a blood test, um, I had to have a long-term IV in my arm, uh, which is known as a PIC or a PIC line. And essentially, it's a long-term IV that goes from a vein in the arm directly to the heart. And here I was in college, um, you know, walking around with this physical reminder that I was now, you know, a patient um, being at 19. And really, this was not how I expected my college experience to be. And... I was just told by my doctor to wear a cut sock on my arm to protect this, you know, device that I just, my family just paid $5,000 to have a surgery for. Um, So I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, And I grew up in the surfing industry. My dad owned a surf shop for 25 years. And he said to me one day, you know, Em, why don't you just put a rash guard on your arm, you know, cut that up um, and make something out of it. And my mom um, had helped launch Giorgio Armani in Boston in the 90s. So I kind of grew up in like a very fashion-oriented family um, and entrepreneurial family as well. So and being at Babson, I had a scholarship for women's entrepreneurial leadership. So I kind of just had that bug from, you know, a young age to do something about it. So, you know, even though I was very sick at the time, um, we created our first prototype and uh, launched our first product, uh, Pick Perfect, which is a patented pick line protector um, where patients can conceal their pick, um, have really comfortable uh, way to go about their everyday lives. Um, and the best part is it's antimicrobial for the life of the garment. Because what we're doing at Mighty Well is applying sportswear fabric technology to the medical industry. And this is something that's been done before in the scrubs industry, but no one was really doing it for patients. So that's where we saw the large opportunity. 
And, um, you know, since Ben and I met in Mass Challenge, we've grown a lot. Um, we went, when we were in Mass Challenge, um, we had one product and now we're in the process of launching six. Um, so we just launched our fourth product, uh, for pre-order last week, which is the Mighty Pack, um, which is essentially a medical bag, um, that converts to over a wheelchair, fits diabetic supplies, um, IV supplies, anyone who really needs to carry around medication. And it keeps your tech separate from your medical supplies, which is a really unique feature. So we're super excited, um, you know, that since we met, we've had this larger expanded vision of, you know, turning sickness into strength for patients and their loved ones. And our long-term vision is to be the Under Armour of healthcare. Awesome. Yeah. So that's, you know, a super great story. Um, and it's always awesome to see an entrepreneur really start a company based off of like something that personally affected them uh, very strongly. Um, you know, they just have that drive to, to really make a difference in the world. So it's, it's great to see how you're doing that. A Thank couple of questions you. I, yeah, yeah, for sure. A couple of questions that I have, like based on that would be, you know, since this is something that is very personal to you and, and you actually used when you, when it comes to like product development and, and then the sale of the product, how does that, like, do you think about it differently than if you were selling, um, you know, some kind of like, you know, b2b software or something like that where it's not something that really touches the the user right um and just how do you think about creating the product and then selling it that might be different um than than someone you know selling something that doesn't affect someone so personally yeah absolutely um one of the things that's really unique about mighty well is we are patients ourselves um, and direct caregivers. So half of our team, um, they either have another chronic condition like myself. Um, uh, for example, a few other team members have Lyme, some have Crohn's, um, you know, anxiety, depression, um, you know, ADD, all kind of chronic conditions that um, we really valued that and saw it as a strength versus other people might see it as a weakness. Um, so in our entire design process, we worked with other patients like ourselves, um, you know, a lot of our brand ambassadors, we brought them directly into the designer meetings, um, you know, because I only had a pick line and now I have a port in my chest. But, you know, for our friends in the fight, um, which is what we call our community, you know, the, for those who had feeding tubes, you know, and we were creating the backpack that worked for them, we wanted to make sure, it, you know, it actually worked. Um, and then with our um, Mighty Med Planner, it works for diabetics. So we wanted to really make sure that, you know, our friends who are both type 1 and type 2 diabetics, it worked for. Um, and then we also worked with nurses at Boston Children's Hospital to make sure, you know, that these products, like, held up to their standards as well. Um, so I'd say that's, like, one of the most unique things about us. And we're really fortunate that um, our design team, they do the entire women's collection for New Balance. So, you know, we had some of the best healthcare providers in the country, um, you know, advise us. We worked with some of the top sportswear designers, you know, in the country. Um, and then we were authentic to our core values of bringing in real patients. So when we looked at the products that we were going to create, um, they really came from the patients and caregivers themselves. Because, you know, I knew I had this problem, but the more and more we talked to people, the more they said, you know, I have this problem too, or, you know, I have a different condition or I have a different medical device, but no one's really creating um, stylish and functional products for me. And we wanted everything to very much look sportswear, more tech, um, because what's out there for patients and medical supplies is like very cheap throwaways, super ugly, 
Um, or if they're trying to do something that's stylish, it's like very mom and pop. Like, you know, I bought the fabric at Joanne Fabrics and I sewed it together in my basement. Um, you know, no one was doing it at a level where as a patient myself, I would wear those products. Yeah, for sure. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it, it's definitely a uh, very specific uh, niche that, that you went into. Um, and in, to have a question in terms of like launching the actual products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah. So when, when we first met, you had one and now mm-hmm. you said you have six. When it comes to actually launching these products, like what are you thinking about? Like how do you go about deciding uh, which products you launch in what order, how many, like how many at once? And what advice would you have for anyone out there who's starting a physical products company and isn't sure exactly how they should go about um, launching a product? Should they roll out multiple ones or, or mm-hmm. really have a core um, product that they focus on? Uh, a lot around right at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and to your point, like it may seem like our product line is niche, but it's actually not. Um, and because our consumer, they're almost hidden from everyday life because patients, you know, they don't typically work nine to five jobs or, you know, if they have a chronic condition, you know, maybe it's like Crohn's, um, you know, you don't always physically see that. So it's a lot of people living with invisible disabilities. Um, you know, I myself am one of those people by looking at me, you would never know that I have a port in my chest, um, and that I have, you know, a condition that can be very debilitating at times. Um, you know, in fact, one out of three Americans has some kind of chronic condition and chances are you're not the one with the chronic condition. You know, someone who is suffering from one. Um, so in that way, you know, that's where we see the opportunity to have a globally scaled brand like the Under Armour of healthcare. Um, and in terms of launching products, um, you know, because we started with the pick line protector out of my own need, um, we ended up creating a lot of connections in, um, it's called vascular access, which means, um, veins. Um, I ended up becoming like a nerd about the vascular access system. (laughs) Um, so we had a lot of connections there. Um, and so we started to look at the patient population who had physical medical devices. And a lot of that tied back to vascular access because you use the bloodstream um, in order to deliver these medications, right? Um, so everything from every time a diabetic, you know, stabs themselves with a needle, like that is considered vascular access. You know, a pick line, that is vascular access. A port for chemo, that is vascular access. Um, so it's not something, it's not really a term a lot of people know about. Um, but for example, 6 million picks are placed every year. So in just in the U.S. alone. So a lot of what we did was you know, we listened directly to our core consumer. We worked with the nurses and said, you know, what other devices are you placing? Because one of our go to market strategies is to influence the doctors and the nurses who place the devices and says, you know, all oh, these are really cool products that you can um, feel more confident about yourself in. And then, you know, it was a lot of um, figuring out time and resources, you know, where could we share fabrics across the board? Um, You know, we have a top that's coming out uh, in 2019. And, you know, that is shared with the same fabric as the pick line cover. So where can we, you know, um, utilize things like that? Our Mighty Med Planner and our Mighty pack, you know, those are the same fabrics. Those are the same trim. So I would encourage people who are thinking of doing physical products is like, how can you create a suite for people? Um, you know, for us, that first suite is looking at vascular access and who are those customers? You know, it's a lot of diabetics. It's a lot of people with long-term chronic conditions. So there's a longer lifetime value for the customer. 
And I always tell people, if you're starting a physical products business, there's absolutely no reason you can't start talking to people and start sharing your sketches, sharing your prototypes. You know, it's not like, um, you know, even if you can get a patent, you know, what's really defensible is a brand long-term and bringing, building that brand credibility. So um, I always tell people, you know, if you have physical products, just, you know, do what we did. We literally found a, street, a seamstress like through the internet, had her make a prototype. And I started asking people on Facebook to meet me for coffee. Um, I always tell a story. I was visiting one of my best friends from high school in San Diego and I drove like two hours. I borrowed her car on a Saturday, you know, while I was on vacation to visit her to like take this lady out to coffee that I met on a Facebook group because I didn't know anyone else at the time, you know, who at that time I didn't have my pick anymore. So I was like, I need to like try this prototype on someone. I need to get their product feedback. So, you know, go to those extremes. Don't be afraid to reach out to people online. Um, yeah, those are some of the top tips. Awesome. Yeah, that's super helpful. Um, and there's always like this reoccurring theme from everyone who just, you know, kind of builds this product, like especially physical products, like they, they go out, they do what they have to, you know, they, they find someone to, to piece it together, they 3D print it, whatever, and they just get it in front of as many people as possible. Um, because, you know, worst case scenario, like, yeah, maybe someone could steal your idea, but like, if, if you don't show it to anyone, you're never going to actually get anywhere in the first place. And, and you, like yeah. you said, it's, it's the brand um, that is really what defines the company um, mm -hmm. and, and is what, you know, has all this value. Uh, so now that you mentioned that, I want to kind of uh, transition into like how you're building this brand. Like, so you want to be the Under Armour of your particular, um, you know, industry. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you go about just like in general, how do you go, how do you go about building a brand on something like, you, you know what I mean? Like, how do you build a community and, and just, it's a, it's a very general question, but what's your strategy? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think for us, um, you know, mighty well is very much a reflection of myself and my personality, you know, um, like one of our taglines is, is undefeated. Um, like on our note cards, when someone orders something that says like, welcome to the world of the undefeated. You know, and that's just always how I looked at my illness is that this is a piece of my life. It's not my entire life. Um, so we really wanted to flip the notion of what it meant to be sick on its head. And, you know, that will offend somebody because some people might be like, you know what? I am defeated, you know? Um, but we, you also have to realize when you're building a brand, it can't be everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. And for us, um, actually our initial company name was Pick Perfect. And that's what we got into Mass Challenge on. And now that's just the name of our pick line protector. Um, so I always tell people when I'm giving advice is that don't pigeonhole yourself. You know, at the time we thought we were going to be the best pick line cover company ever. We were going to sell one to um, every person who got one, which was 6 million people. So, you know, when we did the math, we we're like, oh shit, you know, this <laughs> would be like a really big company. Um, but then as we started to think about raising money and we talked to people, you know, they were saying you can't, you know, you're not going to raise money off of this one product alone. And, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. Um, but we knew that we also wanted to go the more consumer route versus the uh, medical device route. So that's when we decided to rebrand um, while we were in Mass Challenge about two years ago. And um, we started the company as Mighty Well. And a lot of what we did was 
um, you know, wrote down what are our brand values? What do we stand for? You know, what do we want to become in five years? Um, what do we want to be known for long term? Um, and we ran, oh, geez, Ben, we must have had like 200 names um, <laughs> written down. At one point, we even hired, you know, a creative consultant to help us because we tried for almost a year to like find a new name ourselves and we couldn't. Um, so if, then, if you didn't decide on Mighty Well, what have, uh, what would you have picked instead? Jeez, if you remember, <laughs> um, wherewithal was one of the names. Um, Interesting. <laughs> yeah, which I'm pretty glad we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds like a terrible name. Looking back at it. Um, yeah, I, I don't really remember too many of them, probably because they're all terrible. Um, and so yeah, we finally um, decided on Mighty Well. It wasn't trademarked in our space. Um, and at first, actually, people were like why did you change your name? Like, I liked that name. Like, yeah, we actually I was one of those people. I really yeah. like Pick Perfect, but, yeah, but it definitely makes more sense. Like Pick Perfect, but a lot of people kept asking us then if we were a photo app. And then we were like, no. Um, yeah. And then we had to explain to people. So, and then we knew we had ambitions of creating like an overarching long-term brand. Um, so that's, that was one of the big reasons we decided to rebrand early on. Um, and even now, like earlier this year, we like just updated our color scheme. You know, those are all things that we're like still continuing to refine. Um, and one of the things I'm most proud of is uh, the name of our community, which is Friends in the Fight. And um, that also took us a really long time to figure out a tag tagline. And I just tell people, keep, you know, playing with the tagline until you find something that fits and that sticks. And that just is like, yeah, like I'd want to wear those words on a shirt. You know, like imagine if it's like friend in the fight is like the new live strong, right? You know, Ben is my friend in the fight. Um, so I always tell people, you know, when they're thinking of branding, you know, tip number one is don't pigeonhole yourself with a name, find something that allows you to grow. Um, and then number two, when it comes to like a tagline and a logo, you know, just keep trying things, keep showing them to people. And, you know, eventually people will be like, yeah, I love that logo. Or people will be like, yeah, that tagline, like I'd wear that on a shirt. That's kind of like my, my stick test. Would you wear that on a shirt? Awesome. Yeah. So it's really cool that you actually said that because I, I know, you know, myself and like a lot of other people get really just stuck when it comes to uh, like nailing down a name or, or just like a title or something like that. When, when in reality, yeah, it's kind of sucks if you have to change it later. But it's so much worse not to get started in the first place. And if you have a strong community, people will understand. And most people will forget, you know, right, like a couple weeks after you change or anything like that, like they'll just move on. No one's really in love with uh, with anyone, any brands. They, when you really think about it, like so many companies kind of have weird names anyway. Um, yeah, that don't make exactly. much sense. Um, yes. And I know you touched up on like raising money a little bit um, mm -hmm. just now. Uh, you guys recently uh, or semi recently raised like $100,000 on Republic. Yeah, that's just a piece of what we've raised. So. Yeah, yeah, and and feel free to uh, to dive into um, the other stuff that you raise. I know you were at like the you got some from like the Draper um, competition, also mm -hmm. like some other uh, places. But crowdfunding is like super kind of new and and pretty hot right now, and a lot of people are getting into it, um, both from the startup and investor side. Mm -hmm. um, especially now that it's easier than ever to to invest in startups. Could you kind of definitely give us an overview on on the investment uh, stuff that you've had in in uh, kind of in general and then also what's been unique about uh, crowdfunding and and why 
what did you guys do that allowed you to to be so successful on, on that platform? Because I think you guys hit like a thousand percent of your goal or something. Yeah, something, yeah, yeah something our really goal crazy. on Republic, um, which is an equity crowdfunding um, campaign, which only became legal like two years ago. Um, and they were one of the Super major new. people that helped to, to change that. Um, yeah. So in terms of fundraising and then, um, you know, crowdfunding and equity crowdfunding, I'll kind of tackle those two things separately. Um, you know, first I'd like to state that only 2% of all venture capital, uh, in the United States last year went to women. Like that is atrocious. You know, we are 50% of the population um, and most small businesses in America are actually started by women, yet we can only access 2% of the billions and billions and billions of dollars that is out there. Um, so we were extremely fortunate that Babson and Breakaway Ventures decided to do something about that. Breakaway Ventures was uh, founded by the former CMO of Reebok. And, um, you know, the, the firm said, you know, uh, at the time, their uh, president and CEO was John Burns, and he was a Babson alum, and he had four daughters, and he was like, you know, we're going to do something about this, and and Dennis, who who founded Breakaway, was, you know, had daughters as well, was just like, we're going to do something about this, um, and they partnered with Babson on it, and we ended up uh, winning um, first place out of 400 companies, which was wow. a, a $250,000 investment into an early stage startup. So for us, you know, that was huge because um, Yusuf and myself, Yusuf is one of our co-founders, um, you know, put in 40,000 of our own money, which most of that had come from winning uh, business pitch competitions early on uh, while we were in college. But, you know, that just amount of capital really allowed us to kickstart the brand, um, you know, immediately after we had just went through this rebrand while we were at Mass Challenge. And honestly, one of the reasons I think Breakaway invested in us, it was because of the brand name, was because of the logo, was because of the values that like we had just spent that entire summer um, building upon. Um, and then that led into um, about a year later, we were invited to be on Tim Draper's show, Meet the Drapers, which is now in season two. And that was produced by Sony. Um, kind of think of it as Shark Tank meets the viewers can actually invest in the companies that they see on the oh, show. Very cool. Yeah, that was the idea of it. Um, interestingly enough, it mostly aired overseas uh, versus <laughs> uh, here. So there was like a ton of people in India who saw it, um, which is kind of cool. And from being on Tim's show, he made a personal investment. And then uh, we also did the Republic equity crowdfunding campaign. So that um, became about another 200,000. And with Republic, you know, because it was really such a new platform, um, honestly, I think we took a, like a risk on them. Um, so many of our advisors were like, I don't think you should do it. Like, I haven't heard great things about equity crowdfunding. Um, I had even heard of a few uh, seed stage firms that wouldn't touch anyone who had done equity crowdfunding. Um, but for me, you know, Tim has been one of my role models um, for so long. And I went through a few of his programs. So I was like, if Tim's on to this, you know, he's always 10 years ahead of everyone anyway, you know, I'm in. So we were um, one of the finalists on the show. And that was great as well, because, you know, it just opened up what we were doing to a whole nother community. Um, and I've sent so many people Republic's way because I think they were just phenomenal to work with. Um, while we were in college, we did a Kickstarter as Pick Perfect. And I always tell people that, 
really just the main difference is there's a lot of due diligence that's involved with Republic um, and equity crowdfunding in general. You know, you can't just be Joe Schmo off the street who's like, I'm going to launch a campaign. Um, you know, it really was months of paperwork. It was working with a lawyer. It was getting our financials together. Um, there's so much behind the scenes work, but it was actually good because that helped us to set our terms and valuation um, from something we, you know, we're proud and you know the fact that Tim kind of backed that was allowed us to go out into the market and say you know these are the terms that Republican Tim helped us to set and um, agreed to so that was you know phenomenal for us so that's why I am, I am a big fan of equity crowdfunding is because you get to say like this is what my round is and like the crowd agrees with it um, and then you know like a typical crowdfunding campaign you make a video you make a page um, you know, I'd say like the, in terms of equity crowdfunding, it's like a lot more detailed. People will ask you questions. Um, and then the big difference is you are legally required to talk to your investors through the platform. And then on your cap table, it's just one line item, uh, basically. So it'd be like Republic instead of the 171 people who backed our Republic campaign. Um, so we ended up doing, I was so pissed, $5 short of 100000 <laughs> We made it to $100,003 and when we finally closed and then someone's credit card bounced. So pissed at them, whoever they are. Um, but yeah. <laughs> With we, the so, $5 investment. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Oh, fuck you. Um, <laughs> but then um, that was that was really helpful for us. Um, just to be a part of that. And, you know, we've still stayed pretty active in the Republic community. Um, we've become friends with like a lot of the other companies who did the show with us. And, um, you know, that was also great to have that video footage to be able to send to other people and say like, this is how I do on camera. This is how I do recorded, you know, this is produced by Sony. So I always tell people like if, equity crowdfunding is in the cards for you or you're exploring it, you know, I'd be happy to make that introduction for, for anyone. If, you know, I think you'd be a good fit. Cool. Yeah. And just, yeah, I mean, equity crowdfunding, like I, I know when it, when it first um, came out, a lot of people were really scared about it. They were worried people were going to lose their money. They were worried that it I mean, there's always that chance. Yeah. I mean, you can lose your money. Investors. Yeah. You can lose your money doing anything though. Right. Exactly. Uh, and right. there's like a lot of worse things that you could do than like invest in startups. Um, mm -hmm. So there was always kind of uh, a silly rule um, that's slowly um, kind of fading out and, and a lot more people are going to have uh, much more access to startup companies, which is going to be just great for the whole ecosystem. I think it's phenomenal. You know, like why should only the rich, you know, get to invest in these companies? Yeah. And then know? make even more money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, if you have, you know, a couple extra thousand bucks a year to like play around with, all the power to you. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it was awesome that you actually mentioned the fact that, you know, you are you are a woman and you did raise uh, venture capital, um, which yeah, like you said we, is, is unfortunately... Yeah, we a bit more in family and friends. So we've officially raised um, over uh, half a million. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, it's definitely like, you know, you said 2%. It's it's mm -hmm. way, way less than it should be, obviously. Um, and for, for all the, uh, the female founders or... Um, just people who want to be founders who are listening to this, what, what advice do you have for them specifically uh, to go about, you know, reaching out to traditional investors who, um, you know, often follow like pattern recognition and they might not fit that exact pattern just because, it, you know, of the way it already is. What advice would you give them to, you know, open those doors and to really, you know, 
show like the the investors what they have and and, and get that uh, yeah investment. i mean not gonna lie it, it definitely hasn't been easy for us you know i must have i probably have had well over 100 coffee meetings um to this point and continuing to do so and um in my experience if you're a consumer facing product you know it's going to be 10 times harder than tech um you know a lot of what we see is like love you know, you love, um, the market opportunity long-term, but like you're pretty early right now, like come back to me when you've done, you know, a million in revenue or $700,000 in revenue. And it's like, okay, well, when you're a consumer facing product brand, you know, there's a, there actually are a lot of upfront costs because you need to build the product. You need to source the product. You need to market the product before, you know, you can start to see that return. So, you know, half a million to the average listener kind of sounds like a lot, but, um, when you kind of add up all those costs and then people costs on top of it, you know, it's, it goes very quickly. Um, and what I've also found that's worked really well for me is, um, you know, I found people are investing in me just as much as the company. So I always tell, you know, female founders, um, the more you can be personable, the more you can be strong, you know, the more that you can just kind of start showing up, in all of these places people are, you know, the better because then people are going to build a relationship with you. Um, you know, a great example of this is um, one of our current investors and advisory board members, Alicia Surrett. You know, she's, she's well known in the female angel investor space, especially in New York. Um, and she's a commentator on CNBC and MSNBC. Like she was, I met her through a pitch competition and then she ended up becoming a mentor and then about a year later, um, she ended up investing in the company. So, you know, that, that is a really long, you know, sales cycle, if you will, but that wasn't my goal. You know, my goal was I can learn so much from Alicia, um, you know, with the guys at Breakaway. My goal was like, I can learn from them. So I always tell people, you know, if you know, eventually you want to raise money, but what you need more so is knowledge, like take the, the learning factor. If you can, um, you know, ask these people for coffee, you know, ask them for 15 minutes of their time on the phone, you know, chances are they're busy, but a lot of them do want to do mentorship, especially if you're initially doing like angel and like kind of family and friends. Um, and then apply, apply, apply to pitch competitions. Um, you know, like I just told you about meet the drapers. Um, part of the reason, you know, we got introduced to Tim was through a pitch competition that him and his wife hosted at Smith college. Um, where his wife went, um, and then, you know, breakaway that happened because of a pitch competition. Um, and you know, I just heard about another one today. We actually, um, I can't talk too much about that yet, but we won a minimum of $30,000. So I was oh, like, wow. yeah. Which, so, which I mean, one was it? If you can say, I can't say yet. Oh, okay. Um, it's part of the contract, but I can tell you in <laughs> February. Um, so a lot of what I do, you know, once I get home and I've kind of checked everything off my list, I have kind of just like a running list of everything to apply to. And I tell people to, um, you know, once you start to apply to things, keep a Google doc or Evernote doc of, you know, what are the commonly asked questions that you're going to get? Like, what is your mission statement? Like, who is your team? And I just copy and paste them and apply, 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 apply. Like, I think I must have applied geez, just in the past year, probably to like 30 things, you know, and we just got one, you know, so you're going to hear a lot of no's. I think especially for female founders who are not in tech, you're going to hear a lot, a lot of no's. And then for me, you know, I'm 
a female entrepreneur who's not in tech, who's creating a new space. So you can probably imagine the amount of come back to me laters <laughs> that yeah, we've gotten. A yeah, a lot. Um, and we're not true like biomedical. We're not like true consumers. So, you know, I know yeah. it's going to pay off in the long run, but you really have to develop thick skin. And for me, that definitely hasn't always been easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys are definitely in like an interesting space, you know, even just looking at your company, I'm always, well, I, I know now, but like before I was like, is this medical device? Is just, is it like just strictly fashion? It's, it's a blend and, and, and it's, it's very hard to like kind of walk that, that tightrope. But, but I think you guys decided to be like a lot more just on the, on the fashion side, right? Rather yeah, than going definitely. the long route of like medical device. A lot of what device. we're doing is, is starting with black, um, but we know black sells. Um, and eventually, you know, we're going to add in colors, we're going to add in patches, you know, let's get the product down first and then we can play with mm -hmm. the color. Um, one of the beauties of our business too, even though it's fashion, it's not seasonal. So it's mm -hmm. not like, okay, fall, we need, you know, an entire new 12 piece collection. Like we're very fortunate where we don't have to do that. You know, we don't have to do a new like drop, you know, like Chubby's does, you know, every few days. Um, so that's, that's been great um, that we have that going for us. And we are starting to see this space really pick up. Um, for example, in the partnerships uh, that we'll be launching for the end of this year is with Zappos Adaptive. So big brands like Zappos are recognizing that this is an underserved market, underserved population, and are getting into the game. Um, you know, Tommy Hilfiger, he has a adaptive product line so we call it wellness wear but um they call it like the market as a whole calls it adaptive wear and i think it's just more about inclusive um styling you know right now like so many people are finally you know creating these instagram accounts and, and being open with their story and saying you know why is there nothing for me just because i'm in a wheelchair things like that so i tell people you know who are especially creating products companies like where is that pain point in your life and where is, would, you know, the general market typically see it as a niche, but you are a member of this, this community and you know, their unmet need, you know, whether it's everything from like, you're a Harry Potter nerd and you know that there's like a need for a really awesome Quidditch stick, like whatever it is, you know, chances are you're not the only one with this problem. And the more you get out there and talk to people and tell people your story, you'll find you're not so alone. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, oh, there's always a community for, for everyone. And, you know, that's super important to know, like, especially for your situation where you are dealing with like this kind of, you know, really bad illness. Um, and it's, it's awesome that, you know, there's, there's kind of like, you know, multiple ways of looking at something you can kind of, you know, just be really negative about it. Um, which is totally understandable. You know, you're, you're going through something that's, that's so difficult and, and most people don't understand, but, but yeah, there's also like the positive way where you can, you know, say acknowledge like yes this happened um but now you got to like push through it and and that's definitely what you know mighty well is all about um yeah. and it's it's awesome to see that and um now just to kind of talk about like the future so what do you have in store um for mighty well like what is on the horizon uh, and especially since this company is so personal to you um what is like the ultimate goal uh for mighty well yeah. Um, I mean, I think our ultimate goal is really, you know, besides our, our vision, um, like I've talked about before, of being the Under Armour of healthcare, it's being in a world where patients feel like people too. And that's how I never really felt. I always felt like a name on a chart. And, you know, 
the New York Times is quoted as this market at $40 billion globally. You know, it's big enough for multiple players in this space. Um, so, you know, if we could even be 1% of that 40 billion, you know, I'd be happy and our investors would be happy at the end of the day. Um, but you know, on a personal note, I would be happy, you know, for me, like it's important to obviously, you know, have a return on our investment, but it's, it's more so the social aspect for me. And I just don't want anyone to ever feel the way I felt. And, you know, when I talk to other people, who are starting companies and like, what is that one thing that you want to wake up every single day and, and make the world a better place for? And that's what you should be focusing on. You know, if at the end of the day, you know, you are going to be thrilled that you created this new AI platform and it helped, you know, to save 10,000 people's lives, like amazing, go for it. But if it's just, you know, another Google Chrome plugin, that's like, cool, you know, okay. Like, in three years from now when shit gets hard, like, why are you still going to be doing this? Um, and things definitely haven't, you know, always been easy for us, you know, even though we've had a lot of successes, but it's that deep desire to make the world better for patients and people with disabilities like myself that um, pushes me to go forward every day. Yeah. That's super inspiring. And, you know, I actually saw a quote recently where it was like, gonna you know not get this exactly right but essentially it's like if you're starting something you have to just be super passionate about it otherwise you know when like you said when it gets tough when you start encountering all these problems all these obstacles you start losing customers things like that if you're in it just for the money if you're in it um, just because you thought it was like the thing to do at the moment uh, you just you don't have the drive to to stick with it um, and you know, the best companies are built, uh, through people sticking with it. You know, they're not built in a couple of years. It takes time, um, takes a lot of, uh, effort, a lot of resilience. And it's just, it's just really awesome to see how, you know, you took something so personal to you and, um, was able to transform it to something that can, you know, help, uh, so many other people. Um, definitely we need more companies out there, you know, that, that have a mission more than, you know, everyone has like a mission, um, you know, change the world, make the world a better right. place. Um, and, you know, it's definitely justifiable. Like I'm sure like, you know, every company that says that actually means it, but it's kind of harder to see like a direct impact sometimes. I mean, it just, it's that authenticity factor yeah. um, that I think is one of the biggest things that we have going for us. And like even all of the models on our website, like all of them are real patients or caregivers. Um, so it's, it's those kind of things that I think, you know, make all the difference when you're, building a brand and, you know, I'll leave you with this story. Um, one of my favorite stories of Mighty Well and, you know, kind of the world of the undefeated um, was when we first got started, uh, so actually around the time we were in Mass Challenge, um, we were thinking of expanding, expanding, I should say, kind of uh, extending our product line for the Pick Perfect to fit little kids. Because um, we had met a lot of nurses at Boston Children's and they were explaining the problems about how these kids, you know, put their IV tubing in their mouth or they pull it or they'll do like jump rope with it. Um, so we had, you know, a couple hundred kids uh, sizes made. We connected with a mom, um, Jackie is her name, on Instagram. And we sent her for her three-year-old daughter who had leukemia at the time um, and had a pick line. We sent her, you know, a free prototype and say like, hey, can you test this? Can you try it? Can you take pictures of it? Um, and you know, uh, 
the hospital gives you this like mesh to wear on your arm. So if you're not told to wear a cut sock, you're like told to wear this like hospital mesh. Um, and it looks very medical. And before, you know, Jackie was really nervous um, of Carmen, you know, playing on the playground and just doing like normal three-year-old stuff. Um, and by the time, you know, Carmen had picked perfect, she was like a happy little kid running around the playground. They sent this as like whole photo album of her, you know, going down the slide, going on the swing, you know, playing with like her family. And that's when we were like, okay, oh my God, like this is how we're changing the world. You know, it may not be a one-for-one Tom's model, but like, you know, fuck that. Like these are products that are making a real impact, you know, and allowing a little kid to be a little kid. So it's one of my favorite stories. And about a year later, I actually got to meet Carmen in person um, while I was doing a speaking engagement out there. So, you know, that's one of my favorite stories. And um, you know, to all of your listeners and viewers, you know, remember like who is your Carmen at the end of the day. Yeah. Thanks for sharing the story. It's awesome to hear. Um, and you know, right before you go, if there's anything you want to kind of shout out or, or plug, uh, go ahead. We're probably going to, we're going to link, um, you know, mighty well, like the store and everything Awesome. Um, in the post. So, um, but yeah, th- thanks again, Emily. Uh, this was no awesome. Problem. Really great catching up and, and talking with you. Um, really Thanks for the opportunity, Ben. Yeah. Um, so you can find us, um, our website is mightywell.com. Um, my personal Instagram is at mightywell underscore Emily. Um, so feel free to DM me anytime. Um, and then we would love for you to check out, um, our latest product launch with Zappos Adaptive. Um, and this January we'll be launching our Mighty Med Planner with thegromit.com. So those are the two other places you can find us. Um, leave us a review, check us out. You know, if you know someone who is going through a health challenge, you know, send them that mighty well, um, undefeated baseball hat or, you know, something to help them organize their medication. So thank you guys so much. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. If you like what you heard, go rate and subscribe to the podcast, even share it if you think the lessons were valuable. Stay tuned for more episodes, and till next time.